Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. When you first expressed your wish to receive the precepts last winter, Jukai was scheduled to occur on the last day of Nyogen Senzaki session in May, as it has for the past few years. We had our first Jukai class at Martin Luther King Jr. session at New York Zendo this past January. And we had a second meeting a week later at Hoenji's winter session. It seems like a lifetime ago. But around that same time, unbeknownst to us, the novel coronavirus had arrived. We had planned to have our next class at Holy Day session in April at DBZ. But by March 20th, New York State was in lockdown. And we began offering Teisho, Doksan, and other teachings on Zoom. Something I never would have dreamed of doing BC before coronavirus. In the past, Jukai students would have had perhaps two or three classes with me during session, and that would be it. With the novel coronavirus in full flare, there was no knowing when we might be able to hold Jukai. The word novel is an important one. This virus something the human race has never encountered before. No one knows how to stop it. It has now sickened around 5 million people and killed more than 158,000 in this country alone. Globally, there are some 18 million cases and more than 685,000 deaths so far. So with no end in sight and realizing that an in-person ceremony would be in the far off future perhaps beyond my lifespan, 
I decided to meet with you on Zoom every other week. This has been a precious experience for us all, right? Indeed, you've had more opportunities to delve into the significance of taking this step than were ever available to past Jukai students. After Daibosatsu Zendo's 44th anniversary session on Zoom, I felt we shouldn't postpone Jukai any longer. Even though it meant I could not physically place your rakasus over your heads in the Dharma Hall at TBZ. The technology of Zoom, as novel as the coronavirus to me and many others, and even those of you who know what to do can't always figure it out, as we have seen, has given us new tools for creative adaptation to our current situation. Responding appropriately to the circumstances of our daily lives is, after all, the essence of our practice and key to the meaning of Jukai. All of my talks at our threefold Sangha meetings over these past four months have focused on the relationship between our practice and the threefold convergence of our time. The coronavirus as a manifestation of the climate crisis. The personal and societal investigation and indictment of 400 years of racial inequity, theft, of the land and power abuses and our dysfunctional and unjust political and economic systems. To respond to these challenges we need the clarity of mind and the fullness of heart that issue from deep and consistent 
zazen. And the resolve that comes from fully embodying the Buddha's eightfold path. Although the preparation you Jukai students have been doing may seem different from the intensive practice of week-long sessions in the Zendo, in its own way, it is at least as demanding. This ongoing COVID session we have been engaged in all these months requires thorough integration of practice and daily life. During your long periods of quarantine, your solitary practice, your practice with your sister and brother residents at the monastery and at Hoenji, and your family practice, you have had to look within and without bravely. You have investigated whatever arises and have done your best to refrain from the usual dualistic reactions. In our meetings together every other week, you expressed how the process has been for you. You spoke of feeling nourished and nurtured by the precepts, seeing how they guide you to an authentic way of life, committing to them through all interactions and relationships, making Zen practice central and consistent. You said, taking the precepts is not something you are doing yourself, but rather are doing with all beings. That it's a way of uniting with and sharing the Dharma, that the precepts are a natural extension of intuitive knowing, that living by the great vows for all may feel impossible, and yet your faith in cultivating the mind of vowing and continual practice 
can make it possible. And that on this endless path, Dukai is not a choice, but rather a recognition of being called to follow the Buddha's way. Now, I want to tell you that living by the precepts is an ongoing endeavor. There will be times you feel pulled this way and that by habit energies. You will be blindsided by strong emotions. You may try to distract yourself with stories of blame and shame. And you may want to take some time off. There are myriad escape routes But they all lead directly into hell. Without assiduous daily practice, you will find yourself in the darkness of ignorance and will have to claw your way back through poisonous thorns and brambles. But I also want to tell you that mistakes, that failings are essential. They bring humility and renewed resolve. That's how we learn. So don't fear correction. And don't fear love. Please know you are not alone. Recite the verse of purification. Chant Kanzeon. Do prostrations. Ask for help. Most importantly, turn your awareness to the breath. Exhale long. Perhaps to an inner count of 10 or 12. 
And then at the very end of the out-breath, allow the inhalation to come naturally, softly, without grasping. Then again, long out-breath. You will find that after the complete out-breath, the in-breath brings refreshment, restoring your energy and your vow. If you keep this kind of breath awareness going throughout your zazen, you will never be sleepy. You will never be distracted by wayward thoughts. So please keep this in mind. As Hokuto said in his inspiring talk yesterday, the cultivation of spiritual friends, of the teacher-student relationship, is a real gift. We are all with you. All the bodhisattvas are here encouraging you in the alchemical process we call practice, through which the three poisons of attachment, aversion, and delusion or as we recite, greed, anger, and folly are transformed into generosity, compassion, and wisdom. So we are now a little over halfway through the year of the rat. The first of the 12 cycles of the Chinese zodiac, based on the animals summoned by Shakyamuni Buddha as he lay dying. The year of the rat is followed by the year of the ox. You may know that the rat got there first as a result of opportunistic trickery. The ambitious rat jumped onto the slow-moving, reliable, diligent, hard-working ox and jumped ahead before the ox could reach the Buddha's side, 
So let's see what happens when the ox arrives in 2021. I'll be speaking during that year of the text by the 12th century Zen master Kakuan Shion called the 10 ox herding pictures. But for now, ready or not, I offer you Jukai students the 10th and culminating verse to accompany you. It's called entering the marketplace with extended hands. And this is a translation by Kazuaki Tanahashi and Daido Luri Roshi. It goes like this. Entering the marketplace, barefoot and unadorned, blissfully smiling, though covered with dust and ragged of clothes, using no supernatural power, you bring the withered trees spontaneously into bloom. Entering with hands extended, giving it all away, this is the deep significance of Jukai. As Dokoro Osho said Thursday evening, it is through surrender that we enter into relationship with all life, in which there is no sacred thing and nothing that is not sacred. As you know, dana, giving, is the first of the six paramitas, the six perfections, which are not at all linear, but form an endless circle. We move from Dhanu to the second paramita, Shila, what we are doing today, receiving, offering, living by the precepts. And from there, the circle of the way leads us to what is needed Shanti, which is patience. Virya, which is energetic resolve. And to the last two, jhana, zazen, and prajna, wisdom, which revert back again to giving. So all the paramitas emerge from and return to dana. 
The Diamond Sutra asks us to examine the true nature of giving in numerous passages. At our DBZ Dharma study this past Wednesday, we looked at an early section in which the Buddha tells Subhuti that a bodhisattva should practice charity without regard to appearances, without regard to sound, odor, touch, flavor, or any quality. The bodhisattva should practice charity without attachment. And we looked at a comment by Chang Wenung, quote, all the Buddha's teachings can be summarized by the word renunciation. Renunciation is another word for charity, for giving. So you might wonder, what is being renounced? What is being surrendered? Crucially, the illusory idea of a separate self, holding on to that fiction of a separate self, an ego entity, we fall into self-absorption, self-addiction, which leads directly to dukkha, alienation, misunderstanding, anxiety, and many, many other forms of suffering. When you recited a little while ago, Tisarana in English, you said, I give my life to the Buddha, to the Dharma, to the Sangha. You are giving your life to the fundamental unity of self and other. You are surrendering to the self of no self in which you meet your true self. This is the core practice of Dana. which naturally informs Sheila, living by the precepts. And this is especially resonant as we approach Obon, the ceremony in which we express our gratitude and love and make offerings 
to all who have made our present lives possible. Now, before he died, Congressman John Lewis left us with some stirring words that are very appropriate for you today. Here are a few excerpts. Ordinary people with extraordinary vision can redeem the soul of America by getting in what I call good trouble, what I call necessary trouble. Voting and participating in the democratic process are key. Though I may not be here with you, I urge you to answer the highest calling of your heart and stand up for what you truly believe. In my life, I have done all I can to demonstrate that the way of peace, the way of love and nonviolence is the more excellent way. Now, it is your turn to let freedom ring. So I say to you, walk with the wind, brothers and sisters, and let the spirit of peace, the power of everlasting love be your guide. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.